Listener Production. US stocks retreat at the end of last week as investors concern themselves with the pace of jobs growth. And Aussie shares are poised to slip at the start of the week with reporting season to gather momentum. I'm Tom. And I'm Ryan. It's Monday, the 7th of August. Welcome to the Comsec Market Update. Ryan, it was an interesting session for the US markets on Friday night with the release of the July non-farm payrolls report. The signals from the market were, were quite varied. So on the one hand, there was disappointment that the jobs growth wasn't quite to the extent of the market's expectations. Uh, then again, you had the wage growth just a little bit stronger than expected. The behavior from the interest rate markets, I suppose, was where the real rub was. Uh, we saw bond yields fall quite considerably. So a 10-year government bond down 15 basis points to 4.04% and a two-year down 13 basis points to 4.77%. And that was enough to create the headwind for stocks. The NASDAQ finishing down 0.4%, the S&P 500 down 05 and the Dow Jones down 0.4%. How do you reckon with all of this information? Well, there's something for everyone, Tom. So investors who believe the economy can continue to slow and avoid a recession were heartened by the July jobs data overall. At the same time, those investors betting US rates will rise higher pointed to still strong wages growth. So we did see non-farm payrolls lift by 187,000 in July. That was below expectations. One thing that stood out, though, was there were downward revisions in the months of May and June. In fact, in June... There are 185,000 jobs added instead of the previously reported 209,000. That was the slowest job growth in a month since December 2020. So it does point to a still tight labour market, but at the same time, jobs growth momentum is slowing. The unemployment rate eased to 3.5%. That's broadly the lowest level in 50 years. But of course, wages growth picked up, up 0.4% to 4.4% year on year and Wages are now above the headline inflation rate. I mean, overall, the report doesn't really change our thinking. The labour market's slowly decelerating, but of course, we think that a sharper slowdown is probably necessary in the US to Mm. get inflation under control, and that's the way markets reacted. So if you look at those bond yields, as you mentioned, quite a, a sharp rally there in particular, and what we did see there after the jobs data is the US central bank was considered less likely by traders to lift its policy rate any further this year. In fact, markets are pricing around 18% chance of a rate hike in September when they next meet the US Federal Reserve. But Ryan, one of the things that was most interesting, I thought, in terms of last week's performance from the interest rate market in particular, was the margin between short and long-term interest rates, which we look at quite carefully because historically that has been an indicator as to where the US economy is going and whether or not indeed um, it's heading towards a recession. This relationship between the two and the 10-year government bonds steepened quite markedly. It was up by 20 basis points over the course of the week. The way I look at these things these days, it's a bit like having glasses and one lens is cracked, right? And you kind (laughs) of have to make some adjustments because the perversion of interest rate markets through central bank intervention over some time now means that these relationships, do you put your whole store of faith in these relationships these days? Well, there's been a lot of talk about the inversion of the yield curve. So that is the short end of the yield curve, the two-year, the yield there at 4.77% being higher than the longer end of the curve, the 10-year, 4.04%. Obviously, we have seen two years 
in terms of the yields lifting more sharply than 10 yields uh, on the back of expectations around interest rates and the 525 basis points of rate hikes from the Fed. But what we saw last week is the 10-year hit its highest level since October last year. And then uh, we have seen expectations around debt issuance from the US Treasury lifting expectations of resilience in the US economy, so an immaculate disinflation or a soft landing, all oh, these buzzwords. Oh, you to get that one in there. <laughs> Indeed. And Fitch's downgrade, the US sovereign rating last week, also applied upward pressure to yields. Then we did see the jobs data on Friday. So broadly, we are seeing a steepening of the yield curve where we have seen a bit of a reversion uh, where the 10-year has been outperforming in terms of the two-year, but certainly the jobs report on Friday suggests uh, a, a little bit more of a less likelihood of a central bank lift in September. So, Ryan, we have both spent time in fixed income land, and this week is an important week because the US Treasury will be conducting its quarterly refunding. Uh, just to step you through what this is, you know, every quarter the US government uh, sells a whole bunch of government bonds, and they use that money to fund their government. You know, they pay police, the fire department, park rangers, teachers, teachers, nurses, all that sort of stuff. Uh, the reality is that last week, these well, part of the reason that these markets have been quite jumpy where the bond markets have been concerned was because the size of the bond sale that is scheduled for this week was larger than expected. And that created that conversation about, oh, you know, this is where the rubber hits the road on all of the stuff that happened in the pandemic. We, you know, all the borrowing is um, going to be problematic for the government, the downgrading of the sovereign rating. Would you say that that's why these markets are a little bit volatile where bonds are concerned? Well, certainly a contributor. So we've got a time at the moment where debt issuance is increasing by the Treasury. So we know that the US deficit or debt levels around 31 trillion US dollars. And of course- Got their nose right up against the ceiling. Indeed. And those debt repayments are increasing with interest rates lifting at the same time. So the Treasury has announced $103 offering to refinance roughly $84 in Treasury notes, which are due on August the 15th, which Mm. is next week. So we've got the talk about the sovereign downgrade. We've got high debt levels. We've got Joe Biden's signature policy around inflation and also renewable energy. The Inflation Reduction Act, as it's known, and and of course, what we have seen there is the contribution of jobs growth, particularly in mm. government. We have seen that, but it has been inflationary, and also it has also meant that they've had to issue more debt. That's had an overlaying impact on bond markets. Having said all of that, not a great week for stocks. Uh, it was their worst week in about five months. We had the Nasdaq down two point eight percent in weekly terms. The S and P five hundred down two point three percent. The Dow was down by about 1.1%. So uh, the ASX 200, by comparison, was down by a percent last week as well. So it actually did quite well compared to what its US peers did. But uh, the underperformance of the tech space, probably notable, Ryan, but I mean, it's nothing to get terribly upset about. These stocks have been white hot for months. So you could probably see it as some well-timed consolidation. Well, we did see, interestingly, Tommy, S&P 500 raise gains of 1% in the session. So a lot of focus, obviously, was on the jobs report. But at the same time, we also had results from Apple and Amazon the previous day. So mixed results there. The big tech stock, Apple, it slipped 4.8%. Reported earnings per share for the fiscal third quarter of 
$1.26. That's $0.07 cents more than expected by analysts. And revenue was above Wall Street's forecast, but was down year on year. So there's concerns about a slowdown in demand for iPhones at the moment. And that was the biggest daily percentage decline since September 29, 2022 for Apple. And that did weigh on that stock. We also saw Tesla and Meta platforms down by up to 2.1%. But Amazon.com shares, I think we talked about this on Friday, they're up 8.3% a day after the online retailer issued an upbeat third quarter outlook. So mixed earnings results there. But broadly, we have seen fairly positive earnings overall. And so far, we have seen about 84% of S&P 500 companies give their results with 80% surpassing Wall Street expectations. But of course, those expectations may have been a bit lower than usual. Yeah, they ratcheted them in a little bit. So looking ahead from a local perspective, so we've got job ads figures out today from the ANZ, uh, consumer confidence figures tomorrow from Westpac and the Melbourne Institute, business confidence from the NAB, Chinese inflation figures on Wednesday, and then uh, Thursday and Friday, the US CPI and PPI respectively. So there's a bit in there from a uh, Northern Hemisphere perspective. I don't think I'd be terribly worried about anything that we have locally this week. It's a bit of a dead patch in terms of news. Towards the middle of the week, the earnings numbers pick up in terms of their gravitas. We've got the CBA reporting earnings, QBE, Boral, Nick Scarly, News Corp and REA Group. That's actually a nice cross-section of the economy there that you get to look at. So the import of the news begins to pick up around midweek time. Absolutely. So on the economic front, it's very much a focus on consumer and business surveys, as you mentioned, Tom. So the focus there will be on the pessimism from consumers and whether there's any improvement there, particularly as expectations that the Reserve Bank may be close to being done on the interest rate front. Well, it's a good point that you make, Ryan, because interesting, last week with the market down by a percent, uh, it was the consumer discretionary stocks that outperformed. And uh, within that group, I thought it was interesting the way the um, gaming stocks did quite well. Aristocrat Leisure up 4%, Tabcorp up one and a half. Domino's Pizza, which has been beaten up a lot, uh, was up by around 5%. So a bit of jostling there perhaps uh, ahead of the reporting season. Well, certainly consumers remain cautious at the moment and with interest rates where they are and inflation still persistent, certainly we're expecting to see pessimism in the consumer sentiment survey, but we may see a slight improvement on the back of expectations that maybe inflation mm. interest rates have peaked. The other Just quickly, let me correct myself. I said ahead of the reporting season. We're into the reporting season. We've, we've got dribs and drabs, but uh, from here on in, after this week, then it really starts to pick up in terms of the momentum. And of course, on the inflation front overseas will be very important. We get the US inflation numbers on Thursday or Friday our time. And the Cleveland Fed's inflation no-cast, which is basically their their forecast, just that headline and core inflation. It's a bit of economist humor there for you. Yes, indeed. It may come in at in zero, case you missed it. May come in around 0.4% for the month of July. So that suggests that inflation is still present. And in China we could see consumer prices actually fall by 0.2% year on year. So we've got different dynamics going on across the Northern Hemisphere. So you've got a disinflationary environment, uh, to say the least, in China. But what do you need to see out of those figures, Ryan, for it to make an impression on the markets? There's no question about the challenges that China faces. There's no question that initiatives from the government uh, need to be perhaps a little more pointed 
Absolutely. We saw iron ore climb on Friday. It was up 0.9% to 105.18 US dollars a tonne after authorities stepped up their property boosting measures that may lift steel consumption. And we have seen steel stockpiles fall as well. Beijing's latest efforts to bolster the property market include a pledge from the central bank to increase funding support to the private sector, while at least one Chinese city has encouraged banks to cut existing mortgage rates and down payment ratios. But the problem with all this is it lacks details. And I think that's why markets tend not to be terribly responsive to these types of announcements. And so the question I'm sort of actually raising is whether or not we care about the Chinese inflation numbers on Wednesday. Well, if they are negative, then certainly it'll be a headline in that and we may see some market reaction. But for the Aussie market today, with SPY futures putting down by 11 points or 0.2%, there could be some support though from commodity prices. So I've talked about iron ore already. Gold futures were up by 0.4% to 1976.10 US dollars an ounce, but oil continues to lift. So we saw the US oil NYMEX price lift by 1.6% to 82.82 US dollars a barrel. And it has lifted now the oil price for six consecutive weeks. Brent was up 1.5% last week. The NYMEX was up 2.8%. And that's really around top producers, Saudi Arabia and Russia, extending supply cuts through to September. So that undersupply concerns is reflected in the bow. So here in Sydney today, driving in, Tom, we saw unleaded petrol prices at $2.22 a litre. Mm. So the pain is going to be there for consumers again. So finally, the Aussie dollar trading around 65.7 US cents as we kick off the Asian session for a new trading week, not vastly changed to where it was on Friday afternoon. So probably getting a little bit ripped off there with the drop in uh, US bond yields. You'd think that we might be a bit higher, Ryan? Well, we did see the Aussie dollar firm a little bit. It got up to 66.1 US cents on Friday, but it has eased back to the levels that you mentioned, Tom. And certainly there may be some support from iron ore prices today, but the Aussie's under a bit of pressure with those interest rate differentials between the US and Australia at the moment. So an interesting week beckons for investors both locally and at home. Thank you very much for tuning in this morning and be sure to tune in to the Comsec Market Update this afternoon with Stevie and Laura. Thanks for your time. This podcast is prepared, approved and distributed in Australia by Commonwealth Securities Limited, ABN 60067-254-399, AFSL 238814. The information does not take into consideration your objectives, financial situation or needs. Consider the appropriateness of the information before acting and if necessary, seek appropriate professional advice. Listener.